nothing for this. What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Welcome to That's Deep, Bro. Serious questions with silly people. I am your host, Christina Pajitsky. And uh, today joining me is my beloved husband and comedian, Tom Segura. You might know him from uh, another little podcast called Your Mom's House. Or maybe, I don't know, Netflix, Completely Normal. Or his two comedy albums, Thrilled and White Girls with Cornrows. I kind of like this guy. He's on uh, TomSegura.com. If you like my show and you want to support uh, this nonsense, this tomfoolery that is philosophy podcasting, <laughs> you please do your Amazon shopping through my banner on thatsdeepbropodcast.com. And how you do that is like, you know, I post the episodes on those blogs, right? And then you, uh, there's like a square, click on it and just do your shopping as you normally would. Really helps out um, this endeavor. And also I'm going to be at the uh, Cincinnati Go Bananas doing stand-up comedy April 23rd through 25th and then the 26th my husband and I will be doing our podcast your mom's house live on the 26th at go bananas so get your tickets now because I have a feeling it's um it's filling up kind of quick meows you know what I'm saying you feel me know what I'm talking about so today's topic um I you know I get so many emails telling me people telling me how depressed they are and um I figured who better to talk about depression than two comedians. <laughs> the irony being that comedians are like the absolute best at depression. And, um, you know, we've lost a few people to it in our community. So, yeah, we'll do depression today. And um, I hope it addresses some of your emails and, uh, and concerns. So, okay, I'm going to play a song I think that suits the theme pretty well. I don't know if... Okay, here you go. This is the, this is this is just a little it's a little depression song. Here you go. song in the world tom <laughs> maybe for you i i wake up walking on sunshine every day <laughs> how are, can you hear it good how are your levels can you hear good can you hear that good? yeah i'm great i'm great okay isn't this the worst song ever uh it's one i mean it's not the worst song ever but it's i'm not walking on sunshine <laughs> i you hate know, this song so much i feel like comedians hate <laughs> that the 
the earnestness of people yeah. that are showing off about how happy they are. And that's what that song is. Right. You know, when somebody's like, it's cool to be happy. When you're like, you know, I'm just so they tell you about how happy you are. You're like, you know, go fuck yourself, man. That's so true. I never thought of it that way. That's you know, what, we hate other people's joy. Yeah, it's like, be joyful, but don't tell me about it. I don't want to hear about it. That's so true. It's like in in Ugh. in in uh, entertainment and showbiz. <laughs> the 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 big thing is you don't talk about the good things you get. Never. You're not supposed to do that. You know, it's kind of like an unspoken. Like if you book a role and on a show or a movie, it's supposed to like kind of filter its way out. You don't go. Guess what I did. <laughs> you know. But some people can't help themselves. Some people can't. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when you hate them because you're like, ugh, don't don't flaunt it. Yeah, you don't want to flaunt it. Ugh, so that's why I hate Facebook. I feel like it's um, some days when you're in a in a depressed mood and you go to Facebook and it's just like a torrent of braggarts. Yeah. Look, look at me. Look at my kids. Look at my stupid husband. Look at my look at my great house. Yeah. Yeah, it's go showing off. Yourself. It's a bunch of show offs. Yeah, a bunch of show offs. So yeah, today's topic is depression, and it's not strictly um, a philosophical topic by any stretch, but. You know, I get so many emails from people saying that they're depressed and they listen to my show or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And on your mom's house, too, we get a lot of emails from people yeah, saying sure. how our show helped them through whatever. And I thought, this is such a topic that's like fraught with with shame and weirdness. I don't think a lot of people... You don't announce it when you're depressed. No, and there's also... There's something about the language of this, too. I mean, this could be very easily be like a, a, a semantics argument, but there's... There's, there has to be like a kind of a distinction made, a clarity about what it means to say, I'm depressed. Yeah. Because there's, there's the, the way that the guy or the woman or whoever says that like, I'm depressed because they wake up groggy and like, <laughs> you know, like that yeah. guy didn't call when he was, I thought he was going to call last night. I'm depressed. Mm. And like what that means versus somebody who suffers from clinical depression right and you know so it's one of those things it's a word that has more than one meaning Mm -hmm. everybody kind of experiences the uh i'm down but then there's another level of it that that oh absolutely that you you know you need actual medical care for the clinical kind which i which i think we should definitely uh get to but just so you guys know hey some of the greatest thinkers uh in philosophy were severely depressed, if not mentally ill, and suffered nervous breakdowns. Nietzsche, my favorite, uh, had a nervous breakdown and was severely depressed. John Stuart Mill, Kierkegaard, Foucault, who we had on this show before. (laughs) Socrates had a a nervous breakdown. Isn't there something about the most brilliant minds become miserable because they know (laughs) so much? You know, like... I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think... Here's the thing. If you're alive and you're intelligent, you're depressed. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're you, down about the you have you need distractions. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's what life is. Life is finding distract. If you're yeah. keyed into like you know I'm a news junkie. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like I just digest so much news that it's like I uh, and none of it's good. It's it's, it's all it's bad. Never good. It's news. all bad. Yeah. News is just all like and this is to, the reality of how shitty things are. And it's to terrify you too. It's not just like, yeah. hey guys, here's some more bummers. It's here's some more bummers and hide in your house, put up the shutters because the world is about to end. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. So 
sometimes uh, after you know I read a few newspapers, I started the day by reading two newspapers today, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'll go online, I read some more news, and then I go, I gotta watch a TV show or a football game or something to, and I don't realize that that's what was going on, but I'm basically going, I need to kind of check out for a minute because of how bummed I am about all this news. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we were talking about this off off this show, obviously, um, about how, like, I, I get my, I, I know broad strokey what's happening in the world, but there's a reason. That's a, that's a stretch. <laughs> broad strokey. But I don't, I don't actively tune into our news system because it really bums me out. And it's so sensationalized. And it's so, like, ugh. Mm. Uh, I know a lot of people whose um, their main reason that they don't uh, keep up with news is to keep from being depressed about it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I know feel, a lot of people like that. Yeah, because I feel it. I fucking, I hate it. I feel like it's it's futile to even, um, it's all the same. Same shit, different toilet, as that famous philosopher Socrates. said. Yeah, Socrates said that. Yeah. It's, all, it's the same stories over and over, except different players. Um, but you're right. There are gradations of depression, as you first mentioned. I think... I think most people function, this is a generalization, but I think a lot of us function on kind of a low-grade depression. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember when I worked in an office, I remember like, so you wake up, and my first thought when I would wake up in the morning is, ah, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That is a good first thought. And it is, it's 100% true. It's honest. And I I concur. (laughs) Because that is definitely how I would wake up. It's how most people do, I think. Fuck this shit was the first <laughs> first thought that I had when I wake up. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it God sucks. Damn man. it. Yeah. And to be and to be clear about this, about you know, again, I feel like we have to keep making the distinction that we're not saying it about cheer up, uh, like clinically depressed people. It's a right. totally different thing. But to those of us who don't suffer from that. But live otherwise somewhat healthy, balanced, emotional lives. Yes, you know you should be down sometimes. That's on the it's on the scale. Normal, yeah, for sure. Just like you, you know, you should experience joys and you should experience disappointment. I mean, the, you, if you're never d- bummed out about anything, like you're a little off. <laughs> believe me. Well, there are people people let's say that I'm related to that mm. might claim to never be depressed, and those people tend to have compulsive behaviors. Like, I don't know, collecting salt and pepper shakers. Yeah, that's not normal. Maybe a fascination with, you know, vintage Beanie Babies. Like, those people tend to channel People that do that, though, yeah, they're delusional. Of course, they're lying. And they're in heavy denial, of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I think you, because you don't want to feel the bad thoughts so much. Of course, and I can identify with that. Yeah, everybody. I can identify with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can... Yeah, you can see it. You can see it. A lot of times someone like that might like a couple of drinks or more. <laughs> might like to booze it up sometimes. You know, I'm not depressed. No, I can see that. How's that mint and julep? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you're not. Yeah. Clearly. Food? Huge. Big. I mean, that's yeah. big. You can, you can... It's big in our house. <laughs> right now. Right here, right now. That Yeah, the need to self-medicate. And yeah. I, it really sucks because I... But you're right. So, there, so let's. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to get too far off. But there's there's gradations of depression. I think there's the kind of day to day, low grade, unrecognized depression where you're you're waking up grumbling. You're in the car. You're grumbling in traffic on the way to your job, and then every day you're kind of just slogging through stuff. Yeah. Maybe you're not like bummed about a particular thing, but something's off. 
something's off. And you know the thing about that too is like that level of depression is it's so um it, it, it's within your grasps to change that. Yeah. It's so manageable, but a lot of times that little step seems so far away. And that kind of depression is the kind where you're like, man, this job, every day that I drive here, I want to die. You know, that kind of thought of like... I've had so many of those. Right. And then for those of us that have had that too and changed it, you want to let everybody know like, dude, you can change this. Yes. You can get out of that relationship that's miserable to you. Huge. You can you can go get another job. You can stop talking to that family member who you don't think it's... Yes, you can. You mm-hmm. can... It's all about choices and it's empowering people to make those choices. And then you realize you do control your destiny mm. and you can jump mm. out of that. Preach, Tom Segura. Preach. I mean, it's, it's so true. I, I, you know, when we meet people all the time, either through the podcast or through stand up and touring, that they're like, first of all, it's the coolest thing ever. When I, I, I had it last night, I did San Diego last night, and people come up and they go, you know, I, I listen to the podcast, I listen to your mom's house, or listen to your guys stand up on Pandora, and it helps me get through my week. And I think that's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Or when they sure. say, you know, I was going through a rough time, and the show made me laugh, and that was really cool. And I go, that is the best news ever. Um, but like, I, I tell those people when they're like, I really want to go do this. I just look at them. Like, I, you know, they're like, I want to move to New York. Like, you can. Yeah. That's the cool thing. Yeah. You can pack your fucking bags. Yeah. And drive there right now and go to New York and get an apartment and it'll be 200 square feet <laughs> and it's $3,000 a month. <laughs> yeah. And you should do it. And you should. Because it's what you want to do. Yes. There's that kind of depression that you're not, maybe you, you know what it is. I don't know if you've ever had this where, like, you know what it is. That you need to change. Yeah. yeah. But you're like, I just, I can't. I'm stuck. That's what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. What about? Specifically. I need those titties in my face right now. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, there's the low grade guy. <laughs> and then there's like something shitty happens. Trauma. Yes, trauma. Yeah. Bad so. things. And and I think as Westerners, we like to think of our lives as... We view life as like, like, like the Garden of Eden, right? At one time, there was this perfection... And then when something bad happens, it's an anomaly. Mm-hmm. It's like you're supposed to have awesome times, Coca-Cola smiles, everything's rad, like all the sitcoms we grew up watching. And when something bad happens, it's out of the norm. And I would say that it's actually the other way around, that life is a continual carnival of shit burgers. <laughs> and I, uh-huh. and, but but the, the task as a human is to go, yeah, guess what? They're always going to be there. How are we going to have fun and laugh despite? Right. Despite, yeah. Despite, there's always going to be a shit burger. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be sad when you have to eat one and mourn or go through loss and anxiety and suffering. But then you come out the other end. And I think when you're in it, you don't, rem- you don't know that. And that's what's scary about depression. It, and by the way, the flip side of, of that news digestion that I, I take in so much of is that sometimes digesting a lot of it gives you perspective on how petty some of the things that bum you yeah. out that are so minute can be, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, you get, I, I've had days where I've like fucking didn't book that thing and I'm <laughs> bummed about it. And then, Oh, what happened in the Sudan? Yeah. And then I'm like, 
It's a pretty awesome life. The Sudan in Georgia? That's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you always, um, like, my Eastern Bloc heritage dictates that I, I obsess about death constantly. Mm-hmm. That's just in our family. Like, you, you got to talk about death and dying all the time. And I, I think about death almost every day. And what it does, though, is not in, a, not in like, a bad way. <laughs> But it kind of, but I always, like when something bad happens to me, I go, yeah, but you're going to die one day. And then that thought puts my life into perspective, kind of the way the thought of like, yeah, we're on a planet full of billions of people in a solar system in a galaxy amongst many galaxies. And ultimately, I'm going to fucking die and turn to dust and none of this matters. That's why you got to enjoy today. Right. It kind of works in a positive way for me when I get, when I think about death and dying and stuff. Yeah. Now, when you think about death and dying daily, <laughs> do you feel that is way? it? Is it a depression of like I'm going to die? Is it that what was you mean? for many years. I was obsessed with death, like I was goth. So, but like in what? Like explain to me when you say I'm obsessed with death. Like what? Oh. What kind of thoughts? Well, when I was uh, I was depressed from the time I was 13 to like 26. Like pretty severe cloud under a veil. Just a fucking horrible, horrific depression. And then, but now that I've been out of that for like 10 or 12 years, I just, it's a quick thought where I go, where I just go, like I'll put, I'll put things in perspective. Like, like what you just said, I didn't get that audition I wanted. I'm not getting this and that that I want. And then I go, but yeah, but Christina, put it in perspective. You're going to, you're going to die one day. And and what are you going to look back on in your life? The audition that you went on, the, the thing you bought, or are you going to look back on the good times you had with your husband? What's what's important here? And then I think, well, Tom's going to come home today and we're going to go and, you know, we're going to play with Theo, the dog. We're going to have the silly time. And that that's kind of what balances my brain out. Mm-hmm. The, the temporariness of everything, including depression and suffering, including the good times. It's all temporary. It is all temporary. And once you go like, ah, this this too will pass. But you, thing. Your cloud of depression, how severe was your cloud of depression? Oh, my God. Dude, it was so bad. It started when I was like 13. I came home from school one day. I, I know the exact moment my adolescence went south. And it's, I was 13. I was a latchkey kid. I came home from school. My mother wasn't home. I went into my bedroom. I was smoking then. <laughs> I went into my pencil case. Remember I told you the other day I, had, I was hiding cigarettes in a, mm-hmm. it was like a, a Cadillac car. And I lit a cigarette and I was in my bedroom and I just started crying uncontrollably. I started weeping because I I had the realization that I was alone in the world. And I was alone metaphorically and I was alone physically in our home. And like that moment for me just changed everything. And now unfortunately I didn't have parents who were emotionally equipped to deal with with a teenager that had that thought. So unfortunately what happened is like I go to my mom or dad and and explain to them like, hey, I'm feeling really... Yeah, alone in this world. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, everybody is. You're going to die. Who cares? Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's not what I was... That's not what I wanted to hear. You Come on, come on. What are you sad about? When I was growing up, I was eating horse meat. You know, shit like that. And you're like, you know, I feel better now. <laughs> is that how you should coax your, your children's how, Is that horse meat? Is that tasty, though? <laughs> is that good? Kind of tastes... What does it taste like? Is it like gator meat? <laughs> they love it. Hungarians love horse meat. Remember we looked up Hungarian curses? Yeah. And like first we saw like all the ones from Brazil were like, oh, that ass and you don't know how to fuck. Like, they all translated yeah. to like sexual things. Sure. Like, They're very horny. You don't please a woman. Like, it was all like all <laughs> sex related. Like 
you you don't you only fuck for one hour, not six hours. Like that's what all their insults were. Mm-hmm. And then Hungarian insults were all like, yeah. "Fuck this shit, life. <laughs> life is shit from yeah. the from day one." I was like, Jesus. Like, yeah. Genetically, you are programmed yeah. to be like, fuck this shit life. Yeah, I think it's very cultural. I think it's always been in the, the, that depression, that low grade Eastern blocky angst is, yeah. has been in me. But you were keyed into I'm something. I'm wired that way. Uh, to to have that metaphoric realization and the physical yeah. that I'm alone, like a lot of, you know, you know that like a lot of 13 year olds <laughs> weren't having that thought, right? right. I mean, I'm sure a bunch were. I don't want to dismiss it or diminish it, but like yeah. a, a lot of us were not like yeah. we're alone in this. Like, yeah, and I don't know how that happened. I, I I know that I was hanging out with a certain crew, you know, goth kids. Mm-hmm. But then, unfortunately, that kind of like I said, I wasn't really given appropriate guidance. Oh, you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I know right? the chair is kind of tricky. My husband almost he almost died during our podcast. Um. I didn't have guidance, and so it kind of snowballed and snowballed and escalated my depression, yeah. and I became very suicidal and very like lost. Wow. And then my parents, in response to being suicidal, put me into an all-girls Catholic school. Which you said, said was the greatest thing, right? Which happened to be one of the turning points, the turning point of my life. Straightened me out. I loved the discipline. I loved the structure. I loved the God of it. It's kind of like what you needed. It's exactly what I needed. And then I went to college, and I was still depressed and freaked out. I graduated, still depressed and freaked out. And then when I found stand-up, I thought, oh, this is a purpose. I like this. And then I stopped being depressed, because I kind of channeled everything into learning to be comedian. Yeah. And I met you, and I met our you know, our friends, Full Charge, Ryan Sickler, all these people. Yeah. And then, just talked to Sickle Cell on the way here, by the way. What's he doing? Just doing shit. <laughs> you, know, you went through a depression, though, when you said in your 20s, when you picked up smoking. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know what I I realize? I went through different depressions, but just different levels of realization of them. I mean, moving a lot as a kid, um, you know, when I got to the final high school that I went to, I didn't realize that within a couple of years, I was super depressed there. I was super depressed. I was super depressed for a number of reasons. Like, I, I was so paralyzed every day with like, social acceptance and wanting to like fit in and and be like part of something part of a a crew or you know what i mean like be a part of like get the acceptance i wanted from the the right people and i don't think it's any coincidence that like that's what we do today i'm i try to get acceptance from certain people and you want to be accepted as like uh you know i I do this I'm, i'm good right mommy like that's that's what it is to be a performer. Am I good now? Yeah, am I good now? <laughs> that's totally what it is. And I I think that there was a depression in that that I didn't face head on at all that I completely ignored, you know? Like that I I didn't I was just in denial about it, you know, about how about how emotionally trying that was in that period. But had then, you reached out to anybody or did you even have the the vocabulary? I didn't have the vocabulary. I also did I also would have thought of it as weak and wouldn't want to be associated. Like, yes. if there was a big thing about like, you're cool, right? It's like, yeah, of course. Like, what bothers you? Nothing. And I knew all the language. I knew the language of explaining how great things are and how, how happy I am with with anything and everything. So I would never vocalize 
these these emotions and these feelings of like oh my god i'm i'm so every day i i don't i have a, a knot in my stomach about going to school and and like you know this girl does she like me back and all all that stuff like was just weighing on me horrifically but i wouldn't i would never admit to it you know at the time well interesting you say this cuz i was on some website about depression and it says depression is a loaded word in our culture Many associate it, however, wrongly with a sign of weakness and excessive emotion. This is especially true with men. Depressed men are less likely than women to acknowledge feelings of self-loathing and hopelessness. Instead, they tend to complain about fatigue, irritability, sleep problems, and loss of interest in work and hobbies. Other signs and symptoms of depression in men include anger, aggression, violence, reckless behavior, and substance abuse. Yeah. Interesting. And men are at a higher suicide risk, it says, too, in older men. Yeah, you know, and where guys really struggle with that is, I think, with other guys. And the younger they are, I mean, like when I was in high school, a lot of guys don't, they just not equipped to handle hearing that from their friend. You know, it's like, what fucking language are you talking? Like, if the, you were to. The language of feelings and things. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, you know, we're talking about. 15, 16, yeah, 17 sure. year old boys. I mean, there are definitely those who are equipped to hear that. Um, and, but there the, the other ones just, they're just not. I mean, it's just the reality of it. Like, you'd start to be like, you know, I'm feeling like this. People be like, what? Like, okay. <laughs> huh. Maybe go fucking take a nap or something weird. You know what I mean? Like, they're just dismissive because they don't know any better. Yeah. Really. But I mean, that the whole thing is that, like, I think the older you get, you realize, you know, the only thing you can really do, like in our position, is encourage people that if they are feeling that way or worse, um, it just the the only thing you can tell them is got to tell people. You got to tell people. Yeah. And I understand that it can be hard to tell your friends or your family. You got to find someone. You got to find a school counselor. You got if it's a phone number. You got to if you if if you're feeling really badly, tell people. Yeah, that's kind of the key because with, with my drama as a teenager, the real problem was that there was nobody who could relate to me. And of course, and I did. Re- I remember like I there was one teacher who got it, and she really helped me. She just said simple things like, "Hey, go to bed at, at a certain time at a reasonable hour. Uh, don't yeah. eat Skittles for breakfast." Because yeah. I would, you know, you don't care. You're a teenager, um, and that really helped. But I. I don't know. I, I do wish that there was some fucking sensible adult that I could have, who was normal enough to just be like, hey, sweetie, that's that's okay. It's called being a teenager. It's yeah. scary. You're just scared. I, um, dude, it, yeah. It, <laughs> why is it so hard to I know. reasonable people? I mean, going back then, like the God. one thing I would have changed differently in high school is, um, you know, I, I look back, I didn't need like to go, I didn't need like a, medicine or anything like that but i needed an outlet i needed someone to i mean in my house it was like four retarded people like i couldn't <laughs> you know i couldn't tell any of them of i mean my siblings probably could have like i think they would have processed it actually better than my parents my like my mother would have been like you know let's commit you today like, like that kind of that's her thing yeah and then my dad would have been like oh it's didn't know that like he wouldn't he just would not know what to say you know because it just wasn't in his language you it, know it's not and i think a lot of our problems kind of come from that generation of dudes your dad was hardcore vietnam 
Marine. Yeah, and he also like you know he he was like the, he's a generation that like you know and and I and I have a part of that too where like you don't burden your parents all the time with things you know oh yeah and it's like they go you know you see your dad come home from work he worked a full day you know he's home he wants to relax and how was school today buddy and you go like good yeah everything good and good and good grades yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, you don't go like, well, you know, I'm feeling like this. Like in my mind, you don't do that. <laughs> not in my Cause house. Because I, 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 I know he wouldn't. <laughs> it's not that he was like, he would be like, I don't want to hear it. I think he would just be like, I, I don't know what to say. You know, like, I don't know. Of course. What is he going to tell you? He but doesn't even know how he feels probably. The adult depression for me was way more. I think I kind of saw what was going on. And that was like, moved out here. I kind of was you know, figuring out, I knew I wanted to perform and like, you know, do comedy basically. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, most career tracks it's laid out, do this and then mm-hmm. do that. And I think the, the idea that like there was, I don't know what to do created a lot of anxiety. Of course. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I'm good at this. Like I'm funny. I like, how, how come I'm not, like I don't have an opportunity to like, why you know show that? Why am I not acting in something or you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was like, and then when you don't have money, and you're like, what the fuck? And then I was uh, doing messenger shit. That was the ultimate. Like, oh my god, was that your bottom? I mean, it's got to be close to it. That was like, I had done like acting, uh, some act like serious acting study with like you know real actors, like people in movies. And then I did the, the groundlings and I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm excelling, like I'm, I'm doing well at it. I'm one, I'm like, I'm, I'm good at this. And then I'm, I'm meeting people in that who are like, oh, my manager, my agent. And I would go like, how do you get a manager? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? And then you feel desperate when you're asking them because they can see it on you. Like, they're like, I don't fucking know. Like, figure it out. <laughs> well, nobody tells you in this business. And no one tells you anything. Yeah. And then it's like, I need to pay bills. And I'm dropping off scripts at actors' homes because that's a lot of messengering in LA is like the studio or the agency says, drop this off at this actor's house. So then I'm like delivering the thing that I want to be getting. Oh, oh man. that's the worst, isn't it? And then delivering to some people that I've met before. Uh, and uh, yeah, I started smoking. <laughs> you, that's right. You picked up smoking at what age? 25. Okay. It's uncommon. It's very uncommon, and it was hard to get started. <laughs> you had to actively work at smoking at that I had to age. actively work at it. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> it's one of those things, too, where you could see, like, looking back, I can see how someone completely, like, how that could spiral really down. Oh, for like sure. Like, how that could lead to, like, not just smoking, but then drinking on top of it and drugs and, like, be 350 pounds and, like, you know what I mean? Like, I could see it going there. Like, I can, I can see that. But it was, it was, you know, there was enough motivation to be, like, keep, you know, keep working, I guess. But it was, yeah, that was, um, I just didn't, I didn't know, I, you just feel like, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? You know? And then you just realize, well, you just gotta figure it out. You gotta, you can't sit in your car and smoke. <laughs> Well, because eventually that stops working. Just to be clear, I, I quit smoking. You did years ago. Yeah, but but it was it was good that you picked up that habit later in life. Yeah, like you could really appreciate the ins and the outs of that kind of addiction. Yeah, I, I, as an adult, I never really loved it. You know, 
I just did it to punish myself. So just for the self-loathing fun? Yeah. 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 You, never, you never got around to... Because smoking is interesting in that you really have to push past the initial disgusting taste. You have to actively really want to kill yourself to pick up a nice smoking habit. And as somebody that was, you know... I know there's some people that are fine with it, but like when you do stand-up, you know, it's, it's very uncommon to to be the only speaker in a conversation and you have to realize that like think about that like when you watch a stand-up that they're often talking for you know an hour straight no break there's i mean you know it might take a swig of something but what that does to like your saliva your vocal cords and all that and then you're adding that smoke because it would it would bother like my chest and my throat before and after shows, and I would still light one up. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, man, this doesn't help me. And then I would light one up. <laughs> but that's yeah. the fun of smoking. No one tells you that's the fun part when your chest hurts and you sw- you wake up going, never again, never again. And then by 2, 2 p.m., you lit another one. And then it, you smoke on top of the pain. That's kind of the fun part, though, isn't it? It really is. You know, I'm not really a big um, boozer, but every now and again, when I have like a couple beers, I'll remember, oh, like, what is that thing? And I'll be like, oh, this is when I, I used to, this, that's the only time I actually, I think, really enjoyed the smokes. Yeah. Was with a, was with beer. Yeah. I loved smoking with alcohol. You get I loved, that nice, fresh breath yeah. going. <laughs> Shit. What were we talking about? This is when you smell somebody's breath and oh. just smoked. And now you're like, oh my God. God I smoked it, for like 17 years. And now I smell it on other people. When they get I'm close like, to you geez. and you're like, God. <laughs> that and the beer breath. <laughs> The beer, like, you can smell the smoke on their clothes. Like, you smell it on, like, <laughs> when they come right in, they were just outside, and yeah. you can smell it on their jacket, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I just did, where did I do? I did that show in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and there was smoking <laughs> in there. I don't know if you remember, but when I got back, I opened my suitcase, yeah. and it it smelled like a fucking factory. Reek. It's so intense. Yeah. And their breath, like, when people <laughs> smoke and drink... <laughs> It's like dog uh, diarrhea in their mouth. It's so bad. It's so bad. So bad. It really is an act of suicide. I used to kiss you with that mouth. We kissed each other with That's those dog crazy, mouths. Right? I know. <laughs> but I think it's really, it is an act of self-loathing to smoke cigarettes. And in retrospect now, I actively wanted to kill myself. Some manifestation of that, I think. And on, on an unconscious level, you want to die. Why the fuck else would you put, po- it's poison. There's no redeeming qualities you don't get high there's no real payoff other than just killing yourself but to a certain degree do do we all need though a certain slow death vice i think we kind of do everyone humans that's the death drive right like freud called it you you unconsciously you want it that's why we eat too much we drink too much you you need that that dopamine drip going oh yeah yeah you need it You gotta be sexing, boozing, drugging, <laughs> eating something. I know, unless you're a Buddhist monk. That's, that's the those only are the way only out. ones, I think. Yeah. Or sleeping. How good is a long sleep feel, right? I, you know what? I think I'm victim to that. I do enjoy sleeping a lot. That's not good. That's fine. I do think if you've if you're a fairly balanced human being, I'm saying like not not like not clinically depressed as we mentioned earlier. The depression is a nice indicator to me that something's not on track. Um, yeah. Like you can use it to your advantage and go, whoa, whoa, why am I fucking? And one day everyone gets depressed. Like my shrink says it's kind of normal. Which we should, by the way, point out, we both see, see therapists. Yeah. And that's another thing that reinforces 
the importance of getting things off your chest and like oh my god emotionally i'm saying you know like i'm feeling this way and, and how beneficial that is it's so great see when i leave her office it's like a thousand pounds has been lifted off of me yeah it's amazing it's like it really because i think what's the killer about depression is the shame and the silence that's what that's what yes. kills people you're right and by the way, if you are like severely, severely depressed and you're listening to me and you're contemplating suicide, please don't do that. Instead, contact, hold on, I have a number here. There's a suicide helpline, call 1-800-273-TALK if you're in the United States. So we're not going to get to that level of depression on this show, but if you're feeling that way, please reach out and get help. Don't let it, don't don't just think it'll go away because it probably won't, right? Yeah, absolutely. one 800 Oh, sorry. 1-800-273-TALK. There you go. I have some great quotes on depression. Do you want to hear them? Absolutely. Here is the tragedy. When you are the victim of depression, not only do you feel utterly helpless and abandoned by the world, you also know that very few people can understand or even begin to believe that life can be this painful. That's Giles Andre. Wow. And that's that right? sounds like he's talking about real depression man it's when you're in it yeah you know um the uh rob delaney yeah so he he suffers from from depression mm-hmm. and um there's a he's he wrote a great article about it when i read it like uh about about what it is to be like truly depressed it's just it's yeah. a fantastic read uh maybe you can put a, a link up to it on yeah your, on your uh i'll write it down yeah yeah it's um it's, it's a yeah. great read. Rob Delaney. He's great. He's really funny. Yeah, I know that hopelessness. Uh, it's really, and that's when reaching out makes a difference for sure. When you feel like you're just in that vortex, man, and you can't get out of it. That's the fucking worst. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. Sadness is a super important thing not to be ashamed about, but to include in our lives. One of the bigger problems with sadness or depression is there's so much shame around it. If you have it, you're a failure. You are felt as being very unattractive. That's by somebody named Mike Mills. Isn't that true too? Nobody, mm. you know, when you're bummed, you don't want to be that guy. Right. Because like it's so, it is, it's perceived as being like, ugh, what's wrong with you? You're so unattractive. It's not, it's not a very becoming thing, especially for, for women. You'll notice that too in gay culture, dudes generally, like gay men, their whole thing is like, we're always happy all the time. You're like, God, that's got to be fucking great. Yeah, it, it's, well, the thing is, because truly somebody that talks about how down they are all the time, it does, it uh, is unattractive. Like Eeyore, yeah. Yeah, it is unattractive. <laughs> but it's also, uh, the problem with somebody that would be continually doing that is they're they're not telling the right people, they're 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 not telling the right people. Yeah. They're, they're telling people like at parties and they're telling people, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're getting to work and telling a coworker, you need to tell somebody if you truly are this way that can do, that can point you in the right direction. It's, it's not, that's so true. you don't want it to be your, um, your ID card. My you know? dad, you mean? Yeah. My shrink, um, tells me a lot about that, about it's like, it's, you have to be selective of who you share your story with. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you, dude. Historically, like my whole life got fucked because I would try to share it with my parents who were emotional cripples. Um, yeah, I mean now I don't share fucking shit with my my family. Like, really, I don't share like real deep stuff with them. You know? Yeah. Because I've learned the lesson. 
Oh, the big <laughs> lesson that I've learned is about uh, omitting oh, information. Yeah. yeah. There's certain, I mean, part of my frustration, it's, it's funny you made that quote about not understanding and about, like, you know, that someone doesn't get it. That can be such a central point of frustration and anger to that sometimes it takes you a while to figure out, well, I got to stop. I got to stop hoping and wishing that the person that I keep telling this is going to understand it the way I want them to. Yes, exactly. Because they're not. They're not going to understand it the way you want them to. Nope. So you got to stop. <laughs> you either got to stop telling them or stop wanting them to receive it differently. Yes. They're not going to. No. That's so true. Like if you're, I don't know, a young person and you're living in a family mm-hmm. and you're like, mom, dad, I have this problem and they're not responding adequately go find outside help yeah and here's the thing don't keep going back. they're not gonna get it they're never gonna get it yeah i mean like it's not to say that as like a a a sentence of death but like people process things and information their own way and sometimes they're not gonna get it the way you want them to no they're not gonna respond the way they're not gonna process it the way you want them to (laughs) and you can't you can Uh, hope and wish that they will they won't no and I've also found, and I talked about this on like, I don't know, a couple episodes ago. I just feel like there's people that get it and people that don't. The world's kind of made up that way. Don't you? That's what I think. Yeah. Right? It's either the people that get it and people that are just never gonna. And don't even try to get with those that don't get it, bro. You, you know what? I, I have a, a bit that I never thought of it this way until I did it for years. And someone pointed out to me how it is. Like I was talking about how the response varies, and we decided that like there's two sets of people, and it was the the lost wallet bit, right? About getting it back right. to Justin, right? And how all I wanted was to connect with him, right? Over this, you know, like it was serendipitous, right? That we that I would the for people that I basically I found a wallet in a cab, and. I, I tracked down the owner, and it took a long time to track it down, and he didn't think it was worth even a conversation about. <laughs> right. Because not, I never actually found him. He ended up being my waiter in a restaurant. Which so is even it's, crazier. It's, it's outlandishly crazy. Yeah. And that's the part where he, he... So I would tell this story on stage to you know hundreds of people, different shows for a while, and some people would go like, yeah. <laughs> Like what's yeah? What's, what do you mean? Why should he be stoked? So he's about your that? waiter after you found his wallet. Uh, what? <laughs> and then what I found was that the other people would react the way you did. They're like, "That's fucking crazy!" And like right. sometimes the audience would lose their minds. But the fact that people didn't really laid out that like you know what that person just doesn't get it. Right. And it doesn't matter how much I explain that story to them, they're never gonna get it. No, because it the big it with a capital I is everything. It's your place in the universe. It's right. the the absolute improbability that this wallet would have been found by you and it's found in a cab and then the guy the the fucking random chain of events and and your place in the universe. You know why? Cuz the context of it's larger and people can't think in larger contexts yeah. sometimes. And that's really a But that's an part. even split for me of like people get it <laughs> really? and people don't. What do you, for sure. What do you So it's 50/50 on that story. Well, I don't know if it was 50/50. Mm, I think it expression. was a little it would probably leverage a little differently, but there was definitely definitely people who would be like 
Yeah, I don't see what, <laughs> what, what the big deal is. And those are the people who say they don't get depressed and end up weighing 500 pounds. I think so. I think yeah. that's it. And I think it's also like, um, you know, Collect- I think comedy collecting. actually is a, great, is a great gauge for getting it and not getting oh, it. Don't you think? God, I mean, dude. And guess what? You know the stuff that you think is hilarious that somebody doesn't get? Yeah. You'll never make that person think that's hilarious. <laughs> and I don't mean like, it doesn't have to be about our own thing. It could be like a scenario, a show, a movie, and you go like, isn't this fucking the best? Yeah. You know? Or we were talking about TV shows to somebody. And yeah, like, oh my God. I tapped out, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, right. it was so good. And he was like, kind of bored me. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> right. about? Right, you tapped out of Breaking Bad? He's like, never going to find that no. interesting. Ever. No. And that's, so what do you think separates people? What do you think that is? You know, you're talking about diving into somebody's head and how how you know how things process like there's so many layers to what make how we react to things yeah you know it's so subjective that uh, i don't know man like i i I can't even explain i mean i remember i was i I don't remember what it was but i was with my parents when was i home last it wasn't that long ago no it wasn't maybe like a month ago yeah and i said something and i started laughing so hard and it wasn't about what i said it was about like the like the painting the picture of it and then i i was like did you not hear what i said and my dad goes i heard exactly what you said i do not find the humor <laughs> <laughs> and it made me laugh harder that he said that but he was also being 100 percent honest, right which is funny and yeah cool i mean i've so. watched stand up with him holy shit no, don't even and that is like that's depression yeah and he was like this guy's not funny okay <laughs> and i and i i can't explain to him why the guy is funny Right, you know, you you can't explain Louis C.K. or Bill Burr. No, if you, if, you if I have to explain it, it to you, yeah, no, you're not gonna get that's it. That's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> like when you go, oh. you know, it's what you said. Something that made me think about my own depression as a younger person is the alienation of it. It's it is the, the those who get it and those who don't. And unfortunately, because I did come to that conclusion very early in my life, you know, I was 13 years old, and most girls are. I don't know what the fuck they're doing at 13, but getting fingered in the mall. Jesus, what kind of show is what this? Are, <laughs> what are 13? They're playing with ponies or something, right? Yeah, God. So I always felt like no one else gets it. No one gets this. And I would kind of try like to ask my peers or mm-hmm. ask people, teachers, and like nobody got it. And that furthered the depression because nobody gets you or you feel like you can't be gotten. And that's such a huge part of the human experience, I think is to be gotten to be acknowledged and for people to like resonate. And that's a huge reason I do this show. It's because for first half of my life, I felt like a space alien because of my upbringing and everything. And like, God, does anyone out there fucking get it, man? Kills me. No one talks about this shit. The awesome thing about podcasts though. Yeah. Is that you get to put that out there and connect with this whole group of people that are like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an amazing thing. Thank God for podcasts. Because before, like when I was a kid growing up, there's no such thing as listening to people talk about depression. You would turn on the television and it's fucking, you know, reruns of the love boat and right. And yeah. love connection and, and like these dumb sitcoms, full house or whatever. Nobody's talking about anything normal. Yeah. Makes you want to kill yourself even more, right? Uh, Here's another uh, one. The deepest fear we have, the fear beneath all fears, is the fear of not measuring up, the fear of judgment. It's this fear that creates the stress and depression of everyday life. This is from Tullian. Hmm, Can I read Chivigin. it? Chivigin. 
Yeah, the fear that we're not measuring up. Isn't that? It's read it again. Read it again. Oh, sorry. It's the third one from the top. This one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The deepest fear we have, the fear beneath all fears, is the fear of not measuring up, oh. the fear of judgment. It's this fear that creates the stress and depression of everyday life. That's perfectly said. I mean, I, I identify with that so much. Mm. That, I mean, I should have it tattooed on my fucking eyelids. <laughs> That's your jam right there? That's absolutely my jam. That's it. The fear that you're not measuring up. It's, it's the, the voice that I hear in my head is like that you're not good. Are you good enough? Yeah. And then there's the days that you feel like you are. Like is is the day that that doesn't you know creep in, but then it's always usually put in check for you. Yeah, for me, I'm saying. Of course, you know, it's like, um, of course, I'm always you know, and that's what I work towards is like not trying to not be in fear of that, trying to accept you know who I am and what I am, and and not not putting so much validation into like just achievement and stand up and it's all hard. that stuff. It's 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 hard, of course. And it is that fear, of course, the stress of every. Absolutely, I mean that that is an ongoing thing. I mean, and the, the you know the flip side of that, in a way, is that that stress and depression is kind of like a it's a weird motivator too. Like in a way, it kind of yeah. gets you to go. It's your ego. Yeah, it's your ego. Yeah, telling you you're not doing enough. You need to do more to because so and so has this, and you need to have this in order to be a better. But I think that's more indicative of men in our society because you guys are very work focused or you should be and the pressure to to achieve is a lot more like for me as a woman i mean people are just amazed that i can stand up and talk into a microphone you know what i mean the expectations of me are like what for a dog no one cares but for a man you guys you know jesus christ but think about too like in in terms of that quote you know the fear of judgment that is that we're all feel like when we go do those showcase shows and it's all stand ups, you're all, everyone's kind of like, you can tell looking at each other, you know, and even yeah. it's your buddies, but you still, you're judging, they're judging, everyone's oh, judging yeah. everything. Oh my God. And it's that, you know, it's your fear of that. Do you think there are people who exist who are outside of that? Like, do you think that that's just a, a self-esteem issue with us because I I, yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Like, dude, I am so pray. This is this is why I'm in therapy. You know, fucking let's say let's say mommy issues are what sixty percent, and then the other forty is this. Yeah, I mean, problem. yes, I, I and I think that that look that that judgment thing is on a sliding scale all the time. Yeah. You know, it it. I mean, I don't feel that all the time at every show. I don't feel it all the time at every day. No, but you know it's it's what what volume is it up you yeah. know and i and i do think i don't know if any comic is truly at zero with that you know right? no. you can't be do you think normal i'm saying people that aren't in show business feel a satisfaction from their families from from like intrinsically rewarding things i think some do <laughs> i think i think some do don't you they are, must yeah. because our business, our, the way our lives are structured, it's like everything is so external validation. Like I'm really happy when I have such and such going for me. Right. And when that thing's not there, I feel crummy or I try to maintain a sense of self-esteem despite something happening. It's a fucking endless cycle. I don't know. I'm trying to get there. Apparently that self-esteem helps with that. Does it make you feel better therapist says. when you realize how big your tits are? Yeah. Some days I just look in the mirror and I go... Yes. Thank God for these milkers. Yeah. I don't have to pay for these cans. Right. 
What about you and your beard and the fullness of your beard? I got a compliment on it this morning. Yeah. From the waiter. That makes you feel good? Nope. What about your dumps? Sometimes I feel good about my dumps. Yeah? Yeah. I've been wanting to shave recently. Don't do that. Nobody See? nobody will know you without the beard. That's your hook now. My hook. You guys recognize the beard, right? Yeah. <laughs> One last question to round this out. And I'm we get asked this a lot. Why why do comedians kill themselves? Why why are we the most depressed? What do you think that is? Um man. There's a there's definitely built in sadness to every com- comic, I think. The good ones. Yeah. Yeah, not <laughs> the, ones the shitty that, ones. The ones that aren't funny, those ones aren't sad. Yeah, they're not sad. But, <laughs> you know, part of it is like what we talked about is not, not telling somebody. I think, yeah. Um, I think there's this other thing that's really kind of scary about like comedians where when you get really successful as a comic, um, I mean, this is like, you know, I'm not talking about myself. I'm saying the observation of really successful comics is almost always a natural kind of drop down of like, are you still funny? Are you funny anymore? Yeah. And I feel like when they maybe feel like they're not or people are like, yeah, you used to be funny. That's probably, and that's your, that's your highest validation. That is kind of, you know, a tough pill to swallow. When you've fallen off a little bit, and I, th- I think what, when you hit yeah. really high success, and you're you're just the way that the world regards you as like you are just you are what funny is, and you're that's, hysterical, and that's the reason we get into this is for that ultimate validation. Yes, and, and and you get there. They get there not just people telling them that, but they're obviously financially rewarded, and they have this this great world of like like you know you did it like the thing you were looking for you did and then it's like you know the natural thing is like you get a little older and it's like are you still funny and then it's like maybe you're not selling as many tickets as you used to sell maybe you're not getting standing o's like you used to i don't know this is like a, you know a, just a theory yeah. of mine but that starts to weigh on them of course the other thing that that to go back to it again is that some of them have a, a more serious condition going on it's not just oh i'm not as popular or whatever it's a chemical absolutely yeah i, yeah. I mean so. like robin williams suffered from god real depression how weird was that and like he was so up all bouncing around off the walls and i i don't think anybody saw that one i didn't see that one coming i certainly never did i didn't know anything about it so you know Jeez. i mean i knew he i knew he he was big yeah, he, was talk- he was talking to me about it every week. I don't know yeah. if I ever talked to you about it. He was big into drugs in like the 80s Oops. and stuff. And Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much it continued. I mean, I know he, he had a more recent stint in rehab, so he obviously kind of fell off again. But yeah, man, it's... And it's also like, how do you keep that... It's just like with musicians. You know, musicians, they play these big successful ones, huge, huge crowds, and they're going crazy. And yeah. then the the crowd goes kind of away and you got it and well that high is now gone what? yeah well if you're like you know if you're in a i don't know an arena comic it's like that laughter becomes like a drug right like it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really loud yeah and yeah i mean i get how exciting is it, it is it's fun i mean but when they get that big i can see how people need to to follow it up and then they start you know looking for something else 
to, the pressure. to keep that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, because generally a, a lot of people at that level are workaholics too. You look at Kevin Hart right now, dude. I mean, if you follow him on Instagram, oh my God. I would not want that guy's life just because look at the sheer volume of shit that he's doing right now. Like, he does a lot. He's on, he's in five different cities a day. And I think you're right. When that slows down, you go, well, 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 well wait a minute. Who am I if I'm not this famous right. guy? If I'm not this, you know, then the adrenaline of that stops suddenly. And now you're left with you, right? You are left with you. You're left with the core, the, the shell of the person that decided to take up the stand career in the first place to chase the fame and the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. If I, look, if I was, if I had an OD, I could see myself totally wanting to continue the after show with drugs. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of did in, at an early age. Yeah, because it scared me. Yeah, I operate on not doing drugs now off of just fear. Me too. I've had bad experiences on them early, and I think that was my deterrent. Weed's not drugs, by the way. Okay, I smoked heroin, but the thing is, no, I'm talking about now. Like, uh, oh, weed doesn't I'm count. I'm scared of weed. I'm talking no. about like I could see myself ha- like had that not happened, being like. What is, yeah, let's do an eight ball. What's that all yeah, about? Yeah, of course. Oh, it's so terrifying. Yeah. But I think uh, the key to to kind of dealing with that we're talking about is to kind of realize like what I talk about the death thing is that it's all trans, it's all trans, it's all um, temporary. Success, it's trans, it's fleeting. Failure, it's fleeting. Everything comes, everything goes. The mm-hmm. body you came into this world doesn't even belong to you. It belonged to your the, your mother made you in her womb. You came into this world with, with dog shit, with nothing, man. Naked, mm-hmm. crying, screaming, and that's how you're going to go out. You're not going to go out with anything. So enjoy the ride as it comes, as it goes. It's just a ride, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just a ride. It is a ride. And you have to kind of step back and go, well, it comes, it goes, it is, it flows. That rhymed. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That is deep, bro. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, I was going to say, with comics killing themselves. Yeah. I think sometimes, if you were told another comedian something serious, and then they don't respond appropriately, I think it's that thing of like telling the appropriate people. Because a lot of people yeah. in show business are just as sick as you are. But sometimes it's the best when you're a comic and you tell another yes, comic. Yes, it can go both ways. Because they get it so much, you know? It can go both ways. Yeah. But the main thing is whatever level of depression you're feeling, you you can't keep it all inside. That's the, that's the, that would be the thing that I take away from life so far. Yeah. Don't keep it bottled up. Yeah. Whether, that, whether that's um, telling... A stranger, a friend, a therapist, or calling an 800 number. I agree. You, you can't keep a bottle like up. Like Robin Williams, they, they were saying that he wasn't telling people at the end, right? Didn't like, tell people that day. He was like, I'm yeah. going to go do that. Like, they thought he was fine, you know, or they, they, they didn't realize what was going on. That's the word. Because even if you have to go see or shrink every day, do it. Yeah. Fucking go. Go do it. Until life is worth living. You pass. I think so, yeah. too. I think so. I think, look, life is... But the thing is to look for, like... The stuff that that really sustains, the stuff that really matters, love matters, right? Yeah, not stuff. Connections, you and me here talking and pizza, and pizza, eating a lot. Downton Abbey. I'm so sad. It's the last um, season of it. Think about the hardest you've ever come. Yeah, and I mean, don't you want to do that again? That too. Yeah, we're picking your nose. Like my favorite's the first thing in the morning. It's all the dry ones. Yeah, I like the dry ones. Yeah, taking a good dump, reading a good book, farting in front of a stranger, farting in front of a stranger for the first time. Yeah, 
I had some real heaters last night. You missed out on them. Waiting in the in the changing room for a woman to walk in and mm-hmm. just watching her. <laughs> huh. Laying bear traps in the neighborhood for just people to step in and Small hide animals, yeah. and watch and you laugh and you laugh. You like that, Tom? Murder shows. I don't want to live if there's no murder shows. <laughs> yeah. And there you have it. Count your blessings, folks. And that, that's not to diminish what you're feeling. No, not I at all. I hate when people do that. Just cheer up. Nah. Sometimes it's good to wallow in it, hey, get through it. Why aren't you smiling? Oh, my God. That's the worst, isn't it? I got told that for like every... Oh, my God. I'm so mortified. I'm sorry. It was so unprofessional. Put a smile on that face. Cheer up, guys. Walk on some sunshine. All right. That's been Deep Bro. Thank you so much, Tom Segura. Is that how you say it? Is it Segura? It's, yeah, you had Am it. Am I saying your last name right? Yep, you had it. Segura, thank you for Segura. joining me today. Segura? Segura. Okay. Thank you for joining me. Is there any plugs you'd like to uh, give? I already gave out your website at the top of the show. You, you weren't here for that. Uh, no, I mean... Live dates. I got a bunch coming up, so... I mean, I'm going to Asheville, Chattanooga, Chicago. Uh, I mean, Chicago. It's nice. Hey. Um, Pontiac, Michigan, Phoenix, Vegas. Wow, I got a nice. bunch of stuff. So, so well, TomSegura.com. It's all there. At uh, TomSegura on Twitter. Check out his Netflix special, Completely Normal. He has two comedy albums on iTunes. Look, if you don't know Tom Se- you have three? Yeah. Thrilled. White Girls with Corn Rose. And uh, Completely Normal is on there, too. Oh, and Completely Normal. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, the Light of My Life, The Fire of My Loins. My husband, Tom Segura. Okay, he's making a jerk-off motion. Thanks, guys. That's been Deep Bros. Thanks, James. Until next week. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep.